Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today we have a ton of stuff to talk about. It has been a busy week in the NHL, and it is only going to get busier. Uh, I said last week that you could probably expect an episode out of us, a couple episodes. Uh, as far as I know, this is going to be one episode, although if we ramble for an hour and a half, two hours, I might split it up into a double part. But um, there, this is... Uh, we're recording this right now, right after the draft. It's not done, but it's getting close. It's the longest draft I can ever remember. I don't remember when it's ever gone this long, but it's taking forever. Um, but uh, we have, I think, almost 25 pieces of news since we last recorded. So we'll probably have an episode out for this. And then Friday is free agency. So uh, it depends. We might just record next Wednesday again, like we usually have been. I think I have a midterm Wednesday, so maybe I can do it after that. But uh, if free agency is crazy enough, we might just try and get one done this weekend too. We're not really sure. It's uh, Canadian Thanksgiving up here as well. So obviously uh, busy schedules, although maybe a little less busy with the um, uh, person limit in effect still in Ontario here. Yeah, I have a lot less to do thanks to that. Yeah, me too. I think we are having my grandparents like in and that's it. So there'll be about six of us or seven of us. So uh Anyways, that with that being said, let's get straight on to a boatload of stuff that we have to talk about. Um, I don't even know, like, we could throw a dart. Where do you want to start here? Um, I don't know. You want to go news or draft first? Uh, let's go with some news, I guess. We'll, we'll go through it, and then I'm assuming we'll just kind of go with uh, whatever gets connected. So uh, let's start with some Pittsburgh Penguin news, because they have a couple things going on uh, with them right now. Um, so we'll start with the Tristan Jari extension that uh, pretty much sealed the fate of someone we're going to talk about in a second. But uh, the other day, there was a string of goalies that got signed, and Tristan Jari was one of them. Uh, he signed what I thought personally was a pretty reasonable deal. I am now just pulling it up because, of course, I didn't have it before. Uh, here it is, three years at $3.5 million cap it, so a 10.5 uh, total, 3.5 AAV. I think it's a really reasonable deal for both sides, really. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it was a perfectly reasonable deal. Jari was really good last year, and they got him incredibly cheap. It actually reminds me a lot of the contract that Matt Murray signed originally, like in 2018 or whatever that was, when he signed his $3.5 million deal. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar. It's just the difference is Jari doesn't have two cups under his belt, so that's why I think just with the sample size, I think is why it stayed so low. I mean, he's been a pretty highly touted goalie, but – yeah, his NHL numbers have been unreal, but it's also worth noting that he's only played 62 total games in his NHL career, right? So plus a few more in the playoffs, but still. Yeah, there's still room for these numbers to not mean much, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's why I think it's a it's a good deal. Like I think if it even is close to what he's shown this year, uh, this is going to be a steal for Pittsburgh. But at the same time, when you're Jar, you've had 62 games of NHL experience, you now have an automatic 10.5 mil in the bank, so... Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. And, like, this deal is cheap enough that I expect Jari to regress because that's just how goaltending works on average, right? But, like, even if he ends next year as, like, a slightly below league average goalie, the Penguins can win with that, and $3.5 million, $3 million is, like, perfectly reasonable for that. So it's pretty yeah. low risk. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, the term's down. And, again, for Jari, it walks him right to free agency, 28 years old. So, you know, he'll be hoping to get another payday after that. So I really uh, 
I don't see too much negative all the way, uh, really, for anyone in this uh, in this deal. No, the only negative is for Matt Murray. Yeah, so um, uh, that this deal, I mean, pretty much we knew that Murray was getting dealt. Their GM came out, uh, pretty much admitted it, like a couple uh, about a month ago, really, when this when they got put out of the playoffs. Um, so uh, he gets dealt to the Ottawa Senators today for a second round pick and prospect John Gruden. Um, John Gruden is a fourth rounder in 2018. He's got some upside. He, he seems like one of the typical Pittsburgh prospects that come up. No one's heard of him, and he throws up 50 points in a year. But uh, for Ottawa, I really actually enjoy this deal. Um, I don't know what. They, he hasn't got a contract extension of the time we're signing this but or recording this, but I don't know. Like Somewhere around two years, $4 million per doesn't sound bad for either side to me. Yeah, not going to lie, I expected the Matt Murray trade to suck, and I don't believe it does. No, yeah, well, like, I, so, I, uh, can you remember, I think I did write about it for Last Word on Hockey, let me go take a quick peek, but I was, like, so against it the one night that, um, I wrote about all the reasons why it didn't make sense, and pretty much near the end of the article, I, I came to the conclusion where it was, like, um, yeah, right here, uh, from September 17th, so just under a month ago, why the Ottawa Senators shouldn't go after Matt Murray, and I pretty much highlight all the reasons why I think it's a bad idea. Um, and I pretty much settled on if you can get him for a very, you know, a low pick that's not the 28th overall, which is what they wanted at the time, and you don't have to toss in a real good prospect and you know he's going to be cheap, sure, maybe you take a look at it. Guess what? The 52nd overall pick in the draft, as well as a prospect that I don't even think after this weekend or after this week ranks top 20, maybe top 15 for sure in their ranking. So uh, that's a perfect, uh, perfect deal for both sides here. Yeah. It worked out really well. Cause I like, yeah, I like you were saying, I expected it to be like a first round pick that got the Murray deal done. And that's really dicey, but a late second for a goalie who was yes, bad last year, but with obviously an extremely high ceiling. I love that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a smart enough bet for Ottawa, and you know, um, uh, we'll get into their talking their draft right now. I guess uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot to break down from the NHL draft. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on just Ottawa, and I mean, I've been on since Twitter, and I need a break from it, honestly. But um, I saw a little bit of talk of like uh, comparing Ottawa to the 2016 Leafs, where they take a big step after Matthews came in, and I'm not ready to do that just yet, but. Uh, not that Murray and Anderson are the same, but even going and getting a goalie, I think puts them a step closer to actually being relevant next year. If Matt Murray plays at even half of what he's seen in his career, like at least between what he played at last year and what he played at for the first couple years of his career, you're probably getting a league average goalie. And that makes this team just way better than what they had last year already. Yeah. Murray's this weird one though, where like he's either basically been quite good or quite bad. I, yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I was going to say, we haven't seen much of a neutral, but I, I don't know, like, maybe that's just been the two extremes and they balance out, or maybe not, like, who who knows, but I, I don't know, for me as a Sens fan, personally, I really didn't think if this trade happened, I would like it, and I've enjoyed, I really enjoy it, I think it's a, a really savvy move. Yeah, I like it a lot, like I said, like, it's it's a late second round pick, like, there's not... I don't know what the expected value exactly is of that pick, but it's not particularly high. And the upside of Matt Murray is absolutely through the roof. So, yeah, I don't see how it's a bad thing. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw Dom say a mid-third today in his model had the uh, valuation of 0.7 wins above replacement over the first seven years of their career, of the career. So um, if Murray's bad, he'll still probably top that next year. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, I mean, pretty much over the yeah, seven years, you pretty much just need one somewhat decent year, and it's like the odds are that you're uh, – you're looking all right, right? So especially because um, goalies produce so much more. So if Murray's in like the 40th percentile for goalies, he will produce more WAR than that next year. Yeah. Alone. So I, I don't. Know. I think it, it was a really smart deal. Um, we can get into Ottawa's draft here. I have some thoughts. I think I'm going to rant for this a little bit. I don't know how much. <laughs> um, I'll try and just cut me off whenever you need uh, when I've been talking for way too long. But. Um, so Ottawa's three and five. They go in and uh, heading in. I think I was I was really hoping for Byfield and Stutzel or or sorry By, Byfield and uh, Raymond. Um, they end up getting Stutzel at three, which I, I'm not disappointed with. I think he's a very very good looking prospect. So that's exciting. But then uh, I kind of mentioned it a couple times. I thought that you know the whole Perfetti lock to Detroit thing at four seems shocking to me because. Iserman's not one to leak his draft stuff. And sure enough, they go not off the board at all. They go Lucas Raymond, just off the board for all the mock drafts. And uh, that leads to Ottawa taking uh, Sanderson at five, which um, I said at the beginning of the day, I think that was probably the only way I'd be disappointed. And I'm not disappointed from their draft. I'm just more underwhelmed, I think, is the right word. Yeah, underwhelming is a very good word for it. I'm not a humongous prospect guy, but basically what people are saying like it like a lot of the potential red flags with drafting are checked on Sanderson yeah and not even that but it's like two things can be true that a guy can be a good prospect or someone that you want but also you should be playing game theory a little bit with your opponents where if Sanderson and and now like Anaheim was apparently really high on Sanderson too so maybe I guess it's just you take him a five, but generally speaking, most people's boards had Sanderson as seven to 13th or so as a pick, you know, and even like earlier in the year, he was, he was further back. And then when hockey stopped, he rocketed up the board. So that concerns me a little, but this is the thing that I've had an issue with on all of Ottawa's drafting today. Cause it happened again today. They reach on every single pick and they do this every year. And I have no problem going off the boards and getting the guys that you scouted hard and you, you really think are good because it has worked out at times for them. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. That's fine. But you need to have the wherewithal, uh, wherewithal that know that if you're picking 55th and the guy you're selecting, like today in the third round, they took a goalie that 50 people in Colin uh, Kudmore's rankings didn't have ranked, didn't have going drafted at all. So if you're swinging at a guy like that, do it in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. Don't do it in the third round because you can get someone else in the third round and you know he's still going to be there. That is my issue with it. Oh yeah, it's a huge like. It's not like a franchise killing problem because drafting poorly in or making mistakes in the third round, like the expected value of a good decision still isn't that high. But like, it is absolutely not what you want to see. Like yeah, basically and, just punting a third round pick. And their problem is that's all the way up. It's the same idea with Sanderson. If you really liked Sanderson that much, unless you absolutely knew that the Ducks were going to take him, in which case I would still argue there was just better players on the on the table, but at least that I'll give a little bit of a pass to. But I said, right when the pick was taken, you know, I'm not going to be mad about it. I was mad when they, I was pissed when they took Brady Kajak and then I ended up looking stupid and rightfully so. I like, but I just said, like, I, I just wish they would have traded down instead of making that pick at five because everyone had him mocked going way 
not way after, but relatively speaking, after five. And it's just the same all the way through their board. Today they traded up with Toronto. Toronto gets two picks. It was, I think, a pick 14 spots down and then a fourth round or something like that. And they took a guy who wasn't ranked until the 70s. So with their 64th overall pick that they ended up giving as the second pick to Toronto, they could have got that guy anyways. It's just that kind of asset management that I really wish they had the wherewithal to just look around and be like, hey, we're going off the board on some of these guys. Maybe it's not a bad thing, but like, let's try and take some other pick, you know, like let's, let's trade down, let's wait, let's take someone else now and then go get this guy with one of our many like future picks, you know, like that is just what kind of upsets me with the Sens drafting. And on Sens Twitter today, it was just anytime anyone questioned a prospect, you get the whole shut up. You're like, you don't know better than the pro scouts. Look at, they've been doing, look at all these hits that they've had in the past couple of years. You have no idea. It's like you can question their logic without saying that the prospect's bad or even that the scouts are bad. Yeah, exactly. And also just like the whole for Sanderson specifically, like just because they hit on to Chuck by doing what a lot of people considered to be a reach does not mean that Sanderson's a good pick, even though to Chuck was also what people considered to be a reach. Like it's specifically very difficult to be right when everyone else is wrong, which is essentially what you have to bet on if you're reaching on a dude at the very top of the draft because everybody has so much resources invested in scouting the guys at the very top of the draft because it's the most meaningful. Yeah, and I mean, even with the Kachuk thing, Kachuk was a consensus top 10 pick all year round. It was just uh, coming closer to the draft, he went from six or seven to four because one team or one or two teams really liked him. Sanderson was not a top 10 pick until hockey stopped. And then he shot from like 25th all the way up to people's boards throughout the year. So that's what kind of makes me scared. But even so, like, I hope he's a great prospect. It's just like the logic that they've used. It's like, it's almost like they don't understand pick value. Uh, Like, it's just like, literally, it's, it blows my mind almost. And so, you know, and Trevor Shackles had a great tweet today. And um, he goes, the Suns have traded up for Logan Brown to be decided. Gabriel Gagne, bust. Mad Sogard, to be decided, but he has a horrible D-plus one year. And now Tyler Clevin, who is who they traded up for. He goes, sorry if I'm a bit skeptical because Carlson's the only time that it fully worked out. And that's kind of what I think, too. Like, we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast, but trading up in the second and third rounds, unless someone fell, like, 25 spots just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's, like, almost certainly a mistake at – the market prices like there are trades in theory that trading up could be worth it but the problem is the way nhl gms in the past have valued draft picks you're almost certainly losing the expected value even though it does work out sometimes because the draft is weird and terrible decisions work out sometimes yeah so i I don't know like it's uh, I, I'm not going to yell about it too much more. It's I'm more frustrated with just sense Twitter, not all sense Twitter, obviously, but there, yeah, there was, it's been a long couple days, but I think if you're an Ottawa fan, uh, you still got to be super excited about where you're going. Stutzel looks like an amazing prospect. And even if you're not as high on Sanderson, if you get the guy who's at worst, what, like average 15 to 20 on people's boards in a draft, that's still a good looking prospect. So mix that in with what they've already had and potential for uh, day two guys here that they've drafted. Uh, I still think Ottawa looks in great condition going forward. Yeah. Like they had so much draft capital that they can make mistakes and still come out with like 
at worst top three in terms of like expected value from the draft probably. Yeah. Uh, I know their draft efficiency, I think was 31st, but you know, draft efficiency and actual getting the best players are two different things. But um, one, one team I thought that I wanted to specifically, we'll get into the draft as a whole and just kind of break down the first round again. We're not huge prospect guys. I'm assuming most people who come here aren't for our prospect take, so you're not going to get that. But uh, Montreal is someone that I really thought had a smart draft uh, this year not even just for the prospects they've taken, but they traded back for a second and third next year in next year's draft. And they now have a loaded pool already for next year. And that's the kind of stuff I wanted to see Ottawa do instead of just trading up and wasting assets for no apparent reason. Yeah. It's just great asset management. Like Montreal now just has a ton of picks for the second year in a row. Yeah. Like they, they're uh, bored now this next year is their one first, they're for their second and Tampa second, which they got from trading back this year. Uh, they have three thirds, one that they got from trading back, three fourths, three fifths, and a sixth. Like, again, they look nice and loaded. And, you know, I, maybe you don't use all those picks. Maybe you trade back one more year, or maybe you just trade for a player at some point, you know? Like, it's just there's so many options. And that's the kind of thing that I think, like, t- teams that are relatively smart are doing. And I don't even think that Montreal necessarily is always relatively smart, but that was a smart move from them. Yeah, I like it. It's basically the classic, right? Like every time teams trade back, people on stats Twitter, everybody immediately praises them because we've seen on average it is more often than not it's the right decision. And that's basically all you can hope for is to make better choices. And Yeah. Yeah, Calgary did it as well. Last night they moved back. I think it was eight spots in the first round, picked up a 50th and 60th overall pick or something like that, two in like the top 60 and got still a stud prospect because he fell off everyone's board for whatever reason. So, um, or uh, maybe not a stud, but a very good looking prospect, you know, that probably could have gone high twenties. They got him low twenties. So, uh, yep. just those kind of moves that are real smart. Uh, from what I've heard, Minnesota has seen like they, Minnesota got Rossi in the draft and someone else. Carolina's had a pretty good draft. Uh, LA Anaheim and San Jose have all seemingly had really good drafts as well especially LA, they look like they're just loading up still, you know. LA um, is looking like one of the smarter drafting teams in the oh league, yeah. what I've oh. seen. Oh, oh yeah, they have a ton. Like, even just down the middle, they have Byfield, uh, uh, Tom, Akil Thomas. Um, Velarde. Yeah, Velarde. Uh, Kaliev's the center, I don't think, but he's still a great prospect. Yeah, Kaliev's a right-wing, left-wing. Turcotte is the other one. That's who I was thinking Turcotte, of. Turcotte, yes. Yeah, um, they have, you know, Tyler Madden as well. They just picked up Leas Anderson in a trade, so we can get to that. They trade the 60th overall pick for Leas Anderson. Um, again, I've been critical of Anderson, very critical of Anderson, but I think uh, 60th overall, that's uh, not bad value. Yeah, it's worth a shot, right? Like, I've seen some people who are watching, like, he, he did really well in the SHL. He's still 21 years old. He was drafted that high for a reason. So, yeah, like, I mean, I don't expect much out of Anderson, but there's a decent amount of upside there, probably, or at least more so than the 60th overall pick. So, I, I like it. Yeah, I thought that was a, a fine enough thing where he's shown enough where it's exactly like, even if he busts out or, you know, it's a bust, uh, it's not like the 60th overall pick is anything guaranteed either, right? So it, it's an all right swing for a young guy who has an actual upside. Yeah, like, he, so in his last 19 SHL games, he has 16 points. And if the guy you draft at 60 has is scoring at that-ish pace by the time he's 21, you're thinking, 
Yeah, that was a reasonable enough pick. So, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we might have something, some kind of NHL player here. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, they were good. Um, draft order: Lafreniere goes one. Not surprising at all. Um, uh, Byfield goes two. Sutzel goes three. Raymond goes four. Uh, Sanderson goes five. Uh, Rossi fell a bit, and uh, there was a couple guys who fell throughout. But um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on from the draft itself? Yeah, what do you think of Askarov going fifteen or eleven? Sorry, um, I'm not. I'm a little surprised to the team, I guess. To uh, Nashville, that's a good one. Um, just because they have Soros, but you know Soros looked bad this year, so they clearly are saying, you know, we want to just commit to a guy. Um, I think picking goalies in the top round is risky. It just doesn't happen too much, and for good enough reason. But that being said. We also haven't, uh, for a lot of years there, there wasn't really a stud goalie in junior where you could tell that he was going to be a stud. So maybe, you know, we're seeing a bit of a trend where it's like if there is a Carey Price looking, not and not saying he will be Carey Price or anything like that, but if there's a guy in junior who just looks like he can't miss, you know, like Vasilevsky was taken in the first round, now a little later, obviously, but still 22nd overall. Um, Florida took a guy last year who looks unreal. Uh you know, so it's like maybe we're seeing a bit more of a trend where it's um, uh, you get more goalies in the first round. And I don't hate it if I'm Nashville. I don't know if I love it, but I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't know. I've been kind of going back and forth on it because, like, I've been looking at drafting efficiency stuff. And, like, the upside of hitting on a goalie is so big that, like – there's a potential that he's the best 11th overall pick we've seen him forever. But I just, I just don't know about the whole expected value thing just because of how noisy it is. Like I, I kind of go back and forth, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's fair enough. It's like, it's one of those things where it's definitely high risk, high reward, but at the same time, like I think if you're saving the goal, like obviously if you're a team who needs a goalie, you can't, you shouldn't just be going and swinging at whatever goalie or just the random best goalie in a draft, no matter what, because some years the best goalie in the draft should be valued at the third round. Right. Um, But if you have a guy who it's like his worst outcome is probably he's a backup in the NHL. I don't think that, and, but you know, his best outcome is he's a top five goalie in the NHL. That's not a war, the worst thing to take a swing on as your first round pick. Uh, especially outside the top 10 anyways, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think to really go in depth, I would need to understand like the opportunity costs better. Like, I don't know what is thought of Lindell and Jarvis enough. Whereas if they're like top, top prospects, then I do think you made a mistake. But once you get outside the top 10, chances are these guys aren't anywhere close to certainties anyways. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. And there's Spencer Knight who got taken last year, and by all accounts, he's an absolute stud. Um, so I'm trying. I'm just going through the drafts. I'm trying to think of any other ones. I know Samsonov got Samsonov. taken in the first round. He yeah, it feels good. like a lot of the goalies going high have worked out. In 2017, there was one. Jake, Jake Ottinger, the Ottinger. Dallas backup, who played a couple minutes in the uh, Stanley Cup finals and or playoffs this year. But it's not like he, he hasn't – I don't know. Like he might be a goalie of the future. He just hasn't shown that just yet. But he's definitely already gotten NHL time, so it's not like he's a super bust or anything like that either. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting that we've seen that because it, it was a while where it felt like there were never any goalies going super high. But it I'm looks like it. I'm going through it now. 2017, 2016, there was nothing. I don't think there was one in 20. Oh, no, maybe Samsonov was 2015. Yeah, Samsonov was 2015, and even him was 22. 
like the last time we saw one before Spencer Knight and uh, Askarov this year, before we saw in uh, above the twenties was, I don't know how long ago because even Vasilevsky was 22, I believe. Yeah. Or 24 or something like that. He was not a uh, top 20 pick. Yeah. There was none in the first round in 2014. Um, we're just going through them all now. Cause I'm super curious. Like, I don't even know what the last one would have been. None in 2013. Price was the classic, but that's like forever ago now. Yeah. Like that was 2005. Vasilevsky yeah. was 19, I guess in uh, 2012. But that oh, is probably no, two band twenty four. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, so that that was the last like highest one we've seen. But again, above that, I don't know when the last time someone actually got taken high was. Yeah, I'm, I'm, top goalie before that, but he was a second rounder. Yeah, I was oh, just saying because it's like pardon Jack Campbell busting at eleven. Or not oh yeah, bust, but like when Cam Fowler goes right after you, that's a bad look. Yeah, that that okay, but yeah. So, but it's been a while since we've seen it, and I mean, especially that high, you know, or the, in the past two years. So it'll be interesting to to monitor those and see how it works out. Yeah. Um, staying with Nashville, I guess they had a flurry of moves uh, today. Um, so first, they announced that they are putting Kyle Turris on uh, waivers for purpose of a buyout, as well as Steven Stan- Santini. Uh, one of those is a lot bigger than the other. Santini's cap hit is $41,000 this year and two hundred and seventy-five dollars next year, and then it's done. Kyle Turris, on the other hand, is $2 million for the next eight seasons on the book. Yeah, so, and there's like, of like we, kind of, we kind of touched on this last week. There's like fully eye test or more like old school people. There's a lot of like full-on stats guys. And then there's most of Twitter, which tries to position themselves somewhere in between. And a lot of the times the people who position themselves somewhere in between will say making fun of how stats nerds hate all of these contracts to 30 year olds that go have long-term, but wow, is it a good week for teams buying out contracts that a whole bunch of quote unquote, nobody's on Twitter all said, we're going to suck the moment they sign them. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, the tourist one, I was, one of those people who, as much as I hate to see him leave Ottawa, I was like, there's no way he's going to be worth that money in a couple of years. And sure enough, I mean, there was trouble with him living up to it right away, but now they buy him out. And that is a long cap hit for $2 million. That is a tough one. Yeah. What is it? Eight years? Eight years, eight full seasons that they have it on the books. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So they're it saving. Was obviously going to be a bad contract from the moment it was signed. Oh yeah, then they're saving four million dollars for the first couple of years, and then obviously they'll go in the negative for a little bit. But it's uh, it's a lot. Um, I Turris has been like disgustingly bad too in Nashville. Like he he has struggled tough in Nashville. Um, and you know it's not like he was ever great in Ottawa, but he was a, like a borderline first line centerman slash player. You know, he was um, like the cadre level of player in my mind, where he was like. Like a good second liner. If yeah. he's on your first line, you're probably not happy about it, but like he's not incompetent there either. No, it's like when he's playing with Mark Stone, you're not having an issue with it either, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he shouldn't so, be the best player on your first line, but if he can get carried and hang there kind of thing. Yeah, but the, like this year, he was just atrocious, dude. Like like literally, in, over the past three years, he's barely been an NHL-level player. Yeah. Was he on a shooting percentage heater? I remember all of us saying, like, absolutely do not touch Kyle Turris coming into free agency. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole team in 2017 was kind of on a shooting percentage eater. But, I mean, he's never been like, yeah, I don't know. He's never been just like elite or anything like that. Because even like 2015 to or 2014 to 17, his numbers just like, they weren't great by any means for a first-line player. But, um, you know, he was, he was a pretty good on the power play. But at 5v5, he always kind of struggled. And, you know, so... I don't know, like, he'll sign a cheap contract somewhere, but I don't know how much more he has to give a team. Yeah, I mean, you're basically hoping on him being three years ago. Yeah, well, and even that, like, yeah, I mean, and even then it's like, if you're hoping on him being three years ago him, you're probably got to have him on your third line at this point. Yeah. You know, like, I just, I don't, uh, I'm just pulling up his 2016-17 numbers. They don't look much worse than they do this year. The only difference was he was actually good on the power play back then, and this year he was not good there either. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad, too, because he seemed like a really likable He's guy. a great guy, yeah. Um, by all accounts, I mean, he was great with the charities and stuff in Ottawa, too, foundations and stuff like that, the Condors Foundation. Um, so, you know, hopefully he lands on his feet and, you know, finds another deal somewhere and can kind of reclaim his game, but I don't have a ton of faith of it in it personally. No, I don't. He's not – he doesn't look like a great bet to me. Somebody will take it, and then it'll be so low risk that, like, it, doesn't it won't matter. be a bad bet to make. No. It'll be I like one mil, one year kind of thing, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's particularly likely to strike lightning in the bottle again. No, I don't think it'll be a Kevin Shattenkirk kind of thing where it's like Shattenkirk is probably lined up to get, like, a, a, a decent-sized contract again this offseason. Yeah, and he'll actually be worth it. Yeah. Um. So – uh, we also have uh, coming in from Nashville today. They traded away Nick Benino um, for it was uh, they get Luke Coonan, uh, the hundred and first overall pick in exchange for Benino, uh, the thirty seventh and seventieth overall picks. Um, I think the Wild win this one. I love this for the Wild. Yeah, like I can say this pretty comfortably that I don't really – there's another trade I want to get to where I don't see how one team had to throw in the pick. Like this would make sense going the other way, I think. Like Luke Coonan isn't good. No, you basically have to be betting on him getting way better than he is for this to make sense. But like I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's probably 22, 23. Yeah, so he's 22 turning 23 this year. Like that doesn't – Exactly. Scream. Go to his like, uh, evolving hockey page and just look at his results this year. His course against per sixty is literally below three standard deviations, and this is on the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, that's difficult to do. Bad defensive numbers on the Minnesota Wild is one of the biggest red flags you could possibly imagine. Yeah, like uh, this, I don't understand how they had to give up the pick, and they clearly gave away the the worst player. Yeah, now Benino's a little expensive for for my taste, but like he's a very competent NHL player, and it's only one year, so it's actually probably fine. Yeah, like if, uh, if there was term on Benino, it'd be very concerning. But one year, I like that bet. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, again, if it doesn't work out, it's like whatever. You still got a thirty seventh overall pick. Like if you look at his Kunin and uh, Benino are just nothings both ways. You get a thirty seventh and something else for the one hundred and first overall pick. Yeah, you get some good draft picks. That's yeah. Even if Benino's uh, in the minors by this time next year, it's still a fine enough trade. 
because you get to – if Kunin has not looked great. He hasn't been a disaster, but he's just kind of been like a third-line-ish player, which is the exact kind of player that grows on trees. So you can get to uh, escape away from that before teams realize what he is, pick up, recoup some picks. I like it a lot. I, I would argue Kunin's been a disaster, dude. He's – like, at least from his RAPM, this is disgusting. Yeah, his Corsi against is like – really aggressive i don't know is xg is fine no which is like but it's not i wouldn't even call that fine like i don't know it's not like good but like i don't really know how to process that when there's like a three standard deviation gap between your cores and xg he's probably not good defensively judging by last year's numbers too and just how bad this year he had a minus 3.5 goals above replacement as well uh, he had one last year, one above, so he's been a negative player over the past two years. Yeah, so even if he's like an eleventh forward, like that's that's a perfect perfect kind of player to get rid of before the league realizes what he is, right? Yeah, minus three point one the year before. Like he's like he's just barely an NHL player and got rid of a somewhat pricey third line player and also gave up the thirty seventh overall pick in a deep draft. Yeah. Yeah, like, like I, I like the I, trade a lot. I love it for Minnesota. I hate it for uh, uh, for Nashville. I think it's more about the salary probably than anything else for Nashville. But I still just don't don't really like it at all. Oh, everything about their offseason makes it looks like Nashville's going hunting in free agency. Yeah, for the whatever year because it's worked out really well the past couple of years with Turris <laughs> and Bonino and Duchesne and. Yeah, like, uh, it's worked out really well, so I'm excited to see how well it works out now. Well, I think it's going to be fun. As a non-Predators fan, I think it'll be very fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, yeah. Uh, I don't have much more to say on that one. I'm trying to think of where else we go here. Um, Let's go to another trade, then. I I just referenced it. I thought it was... uh, I thought it was... Strange um, that uh, hold on, I'm trying to think of who did Donato get traded for? Um, okay, never mind. We'll, we'll go, yeah, we'll go there after. I want to hit on uh, the Max Domi trade and subsequent extension now, uh, real quick. So, I mentioned that Montreal was a smart team when it came to the draft this year, you know, trading down everything, and that was brilliant. Uh, I think they got absolutely fleeced for Max Domi, which I didn't really oh, think was possible because I didn't. I'm, I'm not super high on Max Domi, but this is a this is a head scratcher, dude. Max Domi has been traded twice in three years, and Stats Twitter was convinced that he was miserable, and now they think a team grossly or got fleeced while trading him away, which is like difficult to do. Yeah, and, like, maybe his results are from more of the Julian system than anything else. But, like, also there, there is reportedly some attitude issues that I've heard with Domi, which I guess wouldn't really shock me. But, uh, like, they get Josh Anderson, but they have to give up a pick in this deal. And it is – I think it was just a third rounder. Yeah. So it's not it's like it's, like, that big of a deal. But it would have made way more sense, I think, if it was Josh Anderson in the third going for Max Domi coming the other way. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense because then at least you're like, okay, they're getting a pick or whatever. But, like, I'm – so there is the worry that, like, Domi was really bad in Arizona and then really good in Montreal. 
So there is a legitimate worry that that was just the Julian system or whatever, but like, I'm still reasonably confident Max Domi is a better player than Josh Anderson. Yeah. I mean like, and Anderson's been hurt a lot. Like I do like Anderson's just pure scoring potential, but potential is a lot to go on when you're giving up a pick and arguably, you know, I'm not even arguing. I think it's just obviously the better guy, the guy who's been better for the past two seasons. Yeah. And Domi's younger. Like Anderson had one goal and four points in 26 games. Yeah, he had a miserable year. I mean, like, I think he had a hip surgery and something else that uh, didn't help. So, but, you know, and again, I tweeted this out as I think, I obviously think Montreal got fleeced, but I was really curious to see the amount of people that were dunking on Montreal and using one season's worth of data when those people almost always know that you should be using more than one season's worth of data, especially when it comes to just pure goals and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it's a mistake, but just like, the way people tend to value players, I don't get where that came from because I would expect Anderson's value to be in the toilet. I mean, he had 27 year. goals a year before, though, so that's what you're kind of looking at, right? Yeah. And that, and that's, that's always been the issue with Anderson is what do you pay him because it's like he's clearly shown that he could be a 20, 25-plus goal scorer, but also he's shown a bunch of years where he might he won't be that, right? So, Yeah, like he's probably a true talent 20-goal guy, yeah, which is so, good. And yeah, Montreal I, is obviously goal starved, so maybe they were just desperate. I think for that. it's a good fit. Yeah, I think it's a re- It could be a reasonable fit. I just don't like the trade. Uh, Max Domi gets a two-year extension, five point three per year. I think that's very solid value. Uh, walks him straight to UFA, so that's why he did it. Um, for Columbus, again, I think it's fine. You, you might not need him in three years. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Who knows? But I think that's relatively good value for what he brings. Yeah, I I don't hate it, and you could probably just trade him again next year if he's that much of a pain in the ass or I don't even know if that's true, but I have seen similar things like that get floated around or if he just doesn't mesh well with your system, I can't imagine his value will be tanked at that point anyways, or maybe they get a good player and they're paying him $5.3 million. Yeah, exactly. So I I think there's all outcomes are fine here. Um, All right. Pair of sharks news then let's get to there. Uh, They make two trades with the Minnesota wild. Uh, one of it is acquiring Ryan Donato. We'll get the one that I like first. Acquiring Ryan Donato for a third-round pick. I think this was a very savvy pickup for the Sharks. You like Ryan Donato? I think he's fine, yeah. I mean, for a third, I would rather take a chance on Donato than I would a third. Yeah, that's fair enough. He had some upside coming out of college, was that where he came from, that everybody was super high on him, and he's been like, competent in the NHL, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's never been a negative goals above replacement player. 6.5 last year, 4.5, uh, 17, 18, 2.8, 18-19, or sorry, a total of 3.5 in 18-19, so he's like a third-liner probably kind of guy. Yeah, like, I don't think you could convince me he's like statistically significantly different from like average either way. Like, he's just kind of yeah, I mean, like, all his enough. results are just slightly above average. Like, yeah, I think he's all right. He's a good player. I think he's a, a nice, th- you know, if he's on your third line, which the Sharks could use some relatively cheap uh, depth forwards right now because, you know, their their plan I don't think is to rebuild at all. And, I mean, with this core, I don't know how it can be unless you're just doing what you did last year where it's literally you're trying but you just suck too much. But yeah. I, I've been uh, someone who said I think they will bounce back a little bit. I mean, we talk, again, we talked about this last podcast. I could see them being 16th, anywhere from like 
13th best team in the NHL to 29th, 30th again this year. But I think realistically you can expect them high 20s, low teens somewhere. Yeah, I don't mind that. And I'd like – so this is going to be kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because I talked about how Anderson being like – and Cunning being like 22 and 23 isn't that young. But I like Donato being young, like 24, specifically because he doesn't really need to – he doesn't need to improve at all to be worth a third-round pick, and there's still like a non-zero but small chance he gets even better. Yeah, if he does improve, it's like, okay, there we go. So I, I thought it was a, yeah, a relatively good other deal. Guys. Yeah, whereas the other 20, like, three-ish year olds were like, we need them to get better for this to make sense. But when Donato's 24 and doesn't need to get better, but still, you know, he might. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, you convinced me. Yeah, so I, I think it was a, a smart pickup. He makes 1.9 against the cap for one more year. So he's super cheap, which is exactly what the Sharks need. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think reasonable. Uh, but then we'll go where one where I think uh, Minnesota has a huge win in this one because same day they pick up the Sharks pick up Devin Dubnik and a 2022 seventh rounder uh, for a 2022 fifth. Um, the problem here for the Sharks isn't what you gave up; it's what you got. Uh, Devin Dubnik sucks, and he's at best very, very marginally better than one of the horror goalies you already have in your team in Martin Jones. Yeah, Dubnik's a fun one because even non-stats Twitter is convinced he sucks and yet you need to be looking at the XG models or at least watching Minnesota closely to appreciate how bad Dubnik is because he's put up his numbers in front of a god tier defense yeah um so like it's I don't know he only has one more year at two and a half million or two point one million dollars left so it's not like this is a multi-year contract Minnesota took half of it so that, I guess, is at least acceptable. Like, but, it's, like, but it's just, he's not good, you know? Like, the Sharks are paying $7 million or $8 million, essentially, for a goaltending duo that I would not pay $2 million for. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, yeah, they're, they're tied under eight for, you know, and uh, this coming year for just one of the, we'll almost, like I'm, I'm very confident saying he's going to be one of the worst goaltending duos we have ever seen, um, or you know, in, in recent memory, that's not just two random guys they brought up for the AHL. Yeah, they they would be my odds-on favorite for worst duo in the league because at least if two guys were coming out of the AHL, we don't have concrete information of them absolutely blowing chunks in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's it's one of the deals where it's just stupid because it's like after years of people screaming you need to upgrade a goalie position, you finally go and act like you're going to do it, and you get a guy who might be one of the few goalies who have been worse than Martin Jones over the past three years, which is impressive yeah. because it's a short list. They got Martin Jones. They have Martin Jones and got worse at the goaltender position and gave up stuff to do so. Like that's almost yeah. Impressive. I mean, like they move down 60 picks. So like, you know, it's not like they gave up anything of value, which is fine, but it's just more the, the concept of this is who you went and got, especially in a goaltending market that is going to be very, very full. And I mean, he's cheap. He's 2.1 with the half convert or half retained. So I get, maybe that's why they did it, but it's just like, it, it's, it's hilarious to me that like all they need to somehow make this worse is go with the three, 
three goalie system and get Craig Anderson on there, and they will have, I think, the three lowest goalies rated in goals above replacement over the past three seasons. Yeah, maybe I like Jonathan Quick or something too. But yeah. like, it's not, it's not a great list. And what would really worry me, it's not like, it's not that this trade will individually sink the team or whatever, but just the thought process behind it would terrify me as a Sharks fan. Yeah, I mean, like, the only thing I can try and justify is, like, they needed someone for under $2.5 million, and this was their only option. But even that, like, Dubnik's been so bad that I think you're better just giving whoever, just giving some random guy $2.5 million and hoping that he works out. Yeah, you can go, bait like, bargain basement hunting for, like, league men in free agency and probably find someone with – Similar, if not better, expected results than Devin Dubnik. Never mind for $2 million. You could definitely upgrade. Yeah. So I just looked. The worst goalies over the past uh, three seasons. You know what? Dubnik is not actually as far down as I thought because he's had a rough two seasons. Um, oh, yeah. And I'll, specifically yeah. It was bad. Then. Oh, I mean, maybe if we – oh, never mind. When you go to goal saved above expected, he's the second worst. Greg Anderson's the worst. Uh, and Martin Jones is the 19th worst over three years of goaltending. So there's yeah, Jones is at least 116 people ago. qualify for this. Yeah, and then I'm assuming if I turned it down two years, it would get even uglier. The last two years specifically would be terrible for that duo. Yep. Doomnick is first, uh, in, or like last, I guess. And Jones is eighth last. Greg Anderson's third last. Um, and then if you go goal saved above expected or above average, Martin Jones is last. Uh, I think Dubnik's probably higher on that just because of his system. Yeah, having the Minnesota defense makes it difficult for your raw stats to be that bad. And he still ranks 75 out of 100. So, nice. um, but yeah, it's uh, not a good look at all. That's for sure. No. Um. Let's go to a goalie. Uh, this one is not confirmed technically, but it sounds like everything's a lock. Hendrick Lundqvist will be going to the Washington Capitals on Friday. I'm assuming it'll be for a cheapish deal where it's like one or two million. I can't see it being for too much more just with how much money he's made um, on a one-year deal. I think this is an okay bet, I guess. Yeah, the teams I brought up that as a decent fit for him, like, I really like getting Lundquist because you're clearly going with Samsonov, but also going with a guy with 26 career starts is a little dicey, but you know his backup knows how to be a starting goalie in the NHL. So I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's had a, a below, very below, I mean, not even just for what we know, but like below average in league, av- or like for league average a couple years, but it's been slightly below. So it's like, I don't know. Like he said, uh, last year he ranked. Let me see. I will. I can put the minutes up a bit more, just so it's. I'll go to five hundred minutes played. Um, so for goalies who played at least twelve games or more, we'll, we'll just said that is the random cutoff, right? He ranked forty um, second out of sixty three in goal saved above average, and in goal saved above expected, he ranked fifteenth. Uh, so. Oh, yeah, so it's like he's, what, the 30-ish best goalie probably in the league right now? Yeah, which is perfectly fine, assuming he comes cheap. And considering that's supposed to be your backup. like Yeah, so, and I'm, we talk about, like, character and leadership. That's a hell of a person for Samson not to be able to learn from. 
No kidding. Like you thought you had a nice veteran in uh, Hendrick Lund or in uh, Braden Holtby. I mean, you bring one one of the few guys who has even more experience than him in. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, I thought I think that's a great deal. Uh, I don't know how long we're getting here, but we still have a decent amount of stuff to run through. Let's go to another goalie. Great goalie deal here, I think. Uh, in or in my opinion, Robin Leonard, five times five, made it official. Um, it's been rumored for a while, but I think they were trying to move Flurry, and the rumor on Flurry is that they offered everyone in the league a second uh, flurry and a second round pick and no one bid on it. So uh, that's interesting. That's hilarious. I'm not sure I would like $7 million is a lot, especially given how much free agency looks like it's going to be a buyer's market this year. Yeah. They can't do it now because they just picked up Matt Murray, but that was a deal. I said, if, if you could convince Vegas to give you a first, I would take that in a heartbeat if I was Ottawa. Apparently, Carolina asked for a first and a second round pick, which I respect. I would have thought about it if I was Ottawa or see, oh, because it was half retained too, I think is the thing. It was. Oh, it then was, I would be willing to jump on that. Yeah, it was half retained, a second and, and flurry for nothing pretty much. So it's what, three and a half mil, I think, on the cap. Yeah, Flurry's another contract that we were like, what the hell are you doing the moment it was? We said, yeah, we said that look, that's going to look bad in, within a year. So, um, and it shocker, it does. Um, but good for Leonard. He's what yeah. a top five goalie. I would put him top five. I think he's easily secured himself there for now. I mean, goaltending changes so quick, right? But I think over the past two years of data, uh, he is clearly a top five goalie. Yeah, and the worry was like the Islanders have been printing goalies, but he was awesome in a god awful Chicago system this year too. So. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's a great deal, and, you know, he's been through a lot and gets paid, gets a uh, stability at a nice price tag, so good for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can move Flurry. I think they have to. Like, I don't know what they're going to have to give up, but I think they almost have to try to make things work, you know? They're already over the cap, I think. Uh, they have – yeah, I think they have, like, zero space on the dot, if yeah, I'm not Captain mistaken. Zero. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the upper limit is $81 million and they're at 84 right now. So it does have them above. Okay, yeah. So they're three mil above. So, yeah, uh, they need to shed. And, you know, they've already – they've let go of a couple guys um, uh, or not just not qualified RA, RFAs. Like Nick Cousins isn't getting one. Um, I really wonder if they look at moving someone like Paul Statsny. Yeah, that's like – Statsny and Flurry are the two – logical contracts that you're I think doing. they're gonna have to move flurry I I don't I don't I just don't see a way around it like they're gonna have to move them yeah nobody willing to take flurry with a second means having to give up a first with that contract would suck yeah yeah definitely worth it because obviously you can't be over the cap but like that that sucks um they also just gave Chandler Stevenson a new deal which puts them it's what putting them over the cap right now 2.75 million dollars for four years. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Oh, that was p- pretty reasonable. I think some of Stevenson's numbers look way better than they should. Like, if you watch it, it's pretty clear he's just getting carried by his wingers. But, like, 2.75 for a guy who's going to play on your top line is it's fine enough. Yeah, it's all right. I can't believe he's a playing on their top line. Like, I think that's a pretty accurate statement. But – even if for the third best, clearly third best player on your top six or whatever, like, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. He's like the Zach Hyman where he's like clearly the worst player on the line and getting carried by the other guys. It's just weird that he's the center. 
football. Like you yeah, working mean, line clearly. And if it ain't yeah. broke, like absolutely you do not want to touch that line. So yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, it's all right. Um Jason Spezza signed a new deal, uh, league min again. Uh, there's not too much to talk about here. Other than, like, I, again, I was really confused when I heard people saying that they don't see Spezza back with the Leafs. I was like, the dude literally said he's going to sign for 700K, and, like, he's still an NHL player, you know? Like, he's still going to play on your fourth line. So I, I was a little surprised to see when people were actually surprised he resigned, but good signing for both sides here. Love it. Like, this, this sentence can only mean so much because he is a fourth liner, but, like, he was absolutely one of the best fourth liners in the entire league last year for 700 grand. I, I love this deal. Likeable guy. Like wants to be there, knows his role, wants to help out. He seems like the type of guy who's probably going to be okay this year when they sit him on back-to-backs or whatever, because he's 37. He could probably use it. Yep. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And he's okay with 700 K because he's made almost $90 million in his career. So, and that's without endorsement. So yeah, um, again, great sign. You know, good signing for both sides there. Yeah, because if you're looking at, you know, at the end of the season, how like most fan team blogs do like report cards or whatever, and like when William Nylander scores forty points, it's like a D, but if Hyman does it, it's like an A, because like you're accounting for who they are. Yeah, relative to what you expected and what you were paying Spezza, I don't see how last year he could get anything less than like an A. So yeah, I, I literally. love it that getting yeah, 700K yeah. again. No risk, exactly. all upside. Um, okay, let's keep going down the list here. I think the the next, you know, biggest one for sure, Dylan DeMello signs a four-year deal, I believe. It's, is it, am I getting my numbers mixed up here? I think it was four oh, years right. at three and a half, but I could have that backwards. Yep, four yep, years, nice. three mil. Yeah. So, like, what a steal. Come on. Like, I – I've ranted enough about how I I was convinced that Ottawa should have kept him instead of trading him because he's the perfect stopgap until your defensive prospects are ready. But, oh, my God, what a steal for Winnipeg here. Yeah, I, I love this signing for them. Because it's not like – he's not like a slam dunk top-pairing defenseman, but, like, you're not paying him like it. Like, he just no. has to be a good second-pair guy, and he's yeah. more than living up to his contract, which is exactly he- what he is. Dylan DeMello is the perfect number three or four on a team, but he, he's the type of guy where it's like, and I, I don't think Winnipeg necessarily has this right now, but it's why he fits so well in Ottawa. He's the type of guy that when you have a guy as good as Shabbat, he's going to play perfectly beside Shabbat. So then he becomes, yep. you know, he becomes your two by default. He's not there by skill, but when you're paying him $3 million, you know, he's great. And it's like, he has a history of like, so last year was clearly a breakout season for him and how good he was, but he has three full years of evolving hockey data of being like an above average offensive defenseman who is just perfectly average in his own end and whatever on the power play. So even if he regresses, he's still a good number three who can play on your top pair if he's the second best guy there. Yeah, like given what we've seen from him, it's very difficult other than – freak injuries to see how he doesn't at least live up to this contract, if not provide decent amount of excess value. Yeah. Like I would be absolutely shocked if, uh, you know, he doesn't uh, provide some excess value here. He's 27. So it takes him until he's 31. It's not like it's super late into his career. I, I, I love this deal. I love this deal. And good for him. He makes some money for the first time in his career. Some like actual money. Yeah, I mean, $12 million check or, you know, well, over the course of four years, obviously, but 12 mil guaranteed is uh, nothing to scoff at by any means. Yeah, good for him. I like this a lot. It's a good fit since they have no good defensemen, so any 
competent defenseman is a good fit in Winnipeg. So I was just say they really needed it, you know, and they're they're going to be on the market again this uh, this off season probably. And the the line A rumors are still swirling because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a defenseman or a center. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see. And Hellebuck probably loves this deal too. Yeah, no kidding. You know, they have three actual NHL defensemen. One of them is still Neil Pionk, who was garbage two years ago and amazing last year. So who knows where he's going to fall. Yeah. Um, another uh, defenseman, Brendan Dillon, signs. Uh, oh, Michael Kempney is out for six to eight months as well uh, for, you know, two and a half mil, I think he makes. Uh, that allowed them, because he's going on LTIR, to sign Brendan Dillon, really. Uh, he has a four-year deal at $3.9 million, so 900k more. Uh, again, like this to me, this kind of deal just shows why I love the Dylan DeMello deal so much because I think he is a better defenseman than Dylan, um, and you get him cheaper as well and younger, two years younger. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. That being said, I think this is a reasonable enough deal for Washington. I'd be a little worried just because Dylan is known to play a hard defensive game and those games are known to fall off when you get to your thirties. So you're signing him through 30, 29 through 33 year old ages, but his past three years have been like, he's really, he's one of the better shutdown defensemen in the league uh, over the course of three years. Anyways. Yeah. I, what would worry me a little is like a lot of his best numbers came in that one year, but like a lot, if you look at his like three year totals, they're all really juiced by playing beside Carlson the one year. And yeah. Yeah, well, like, I say Carlson's first year, he was just off the charts and everything. Yeah, but he's still, like, at, as long as you're not expecting offense out of him, like, he's still clearly a competent defensive defenseman. So you could you could do worse than this deal. I don't love it, but it's not exactly a disaster either. I think it is risk, but I think it'll provide fine value right now. But, you know, and so for Washington, how long have we said that, you know, they're going to be so screwed in three years anyways, likely, that it probably doesn't matter? Yeah, this will be the least of their worries in 2020. 23 yeah like they will they will have bigger fish to fry than brendan Demello sitting on their third pair making four million dollars at that yeah point. exactly so. now what i will say is i did see that um uh i don't know too much about the washington prospects but the you know the one guy we talked to i uh, listen i think listened to the podcast pretty actively as well he was saying his big issue was um that Wash or yeah, Washington already has two left-handed D coming up in the system for the next couple of years. So it's like maybe you're blocking someone or you didn't need to pay him all that much. So I don't know. I don't think it's the worst contract in the world, but uh, it's not the greatest either. Yeah. Like it's, it's a very UFA contract in the sense that like most of them aren't disastrous, but like it's not, you can see why they did it. Obviously like it, should help them next year, but yeah. If you go year by year on his uh, Rapham charts, they're very funny. He was horrible in 2015, 16, unreal in everything but goals four per 60 in 2016, 17. Um, just literally dead average pretty much on everything in 2017, 18. Amazing while playing with Carlson. And then last year, between the two, he was good defensively and bad out offensively. Hmm. So you get a wide range of outcomes. I, I think it's an okay deal. I, I don't see it absolutely coming to haunt them next year for sure. Yeah, and I imagine good defensively and you don't really care about his offense is exactly what the Caps are looking for. It's not like with John Carlson there, they were looking someone for someone to anchor their power play one. Yeah, I was going to say, they're not exactly looking for a power play quarterback, that's for sure. 
So um, two more signings we've got to get to quick. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi signs a two-year deal, 1.75, 1.175 AAV. Reasonable, I think, you know, uh, good for Edmonton. You know, hopefully he can provide and give him some depth winger uh, support here. Yeah, like the um, thing the Oilers need most, he probably is. So I, I yeah. love this for Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, worst comes to worst, I think you could probably get him a little bit of value in a trade if he just really doesn't work out again next year, or you can put him in the minors for almost no cost. So, Yeah, like he, he torched the Liga, which is less and less impressive. Like he's 22 now, so that's not exactly this huge no, but Even win. when he did it at 20, like it was – he was doing it at 20 years old, you know, so. Yeah, like I – I think he – there's no way he's not one of the four best right-wingers on the Edmonton Oilers. No, not – yeah. Um, I really hope they – I saw a bunch of media talking about how he's turned into a more gritty player. I really hope the Edmonton management doesn't actually think that because that would be a disaster. Yeah, that would suck. Um, only other sign we have to get to today, uh, Brian Elliott, $1.5 million in Philly. I have almost nothing to say about this. I think it's fine. He's an all-right goalie. He's going to back up Carter Hart again. That seemed to work for them this year. Good for both sides. Yeah, Elliot was kind of like the fancy stats god coming a couple years ago as a goalie. It wasn't great last year, but we all know goalies shouldn't exactly just assume he's bad after that. So it's cheap enough, too, that there's basically no risk, so it's hard to really hate this deal. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, and, yeah, he's not your starter. He'll probably play 35 games, I would assume, somewhere in that range. You know, he was – he was below like average last year. Yeah, 31 like, this year. So, yeah, 35 next year. Or 30. Yeah, 30. In 30 so. probably. I, mean, I think he would have probably played 35 with a full season if it didn't get canceled, you know, around there. So, in the 30s, yeah. somewhere low 30s, and, you know, give Carter Hart a bit of a break. It's not – he's not great by any means. He, he struggled last year. But uh, for 1.5, I just – I don't have much of a gripe about it. Yeah. Um, okay, buyouts good. real quick. We have a ton of them coming down. Um, oh, sorry. There's one more signing. Andre Sequeira. Uh, good for him. I mean, after, you know, going through the grueling injury in Edmonton and, you know, finally getting back, he goes on a cup finals run with Dallas uh, and Dallas pays him two years, 1.5. Again, cheap enough where I don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah, he kind of looked like he was cooked. So I'm happy to see him coming back. He wasn't bad either. So that's no, he, was fine. he was pretty good in his own end this year. He was not good in the offensive end, but you don't expect that from him. So um, this is good, at least. Like, he's Dallas's fourth or you know, fifth best defenseman probably, but 1.5 for your fifth or sixth best defenseman really is not much of an issue. Yeah, and it's, like, barely above variable, so there's pretty much no downside. If Thomas Harley's ready next year and that means Sakara's going to the minors, it's not a disaster either. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think there was one more trade to talk about, if I am not mistaken. I believe it has to do with Oli Mata. Uh, he got moved to the – yeah, so the Kings acquire Oli Mata for the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for forward Brad Morrison, who I've never heard of before. Yeah, basically just Mata for his cap space. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, – I get the Hawks are trying to shed some cap space. I uh, don't know how to feel about this deal. Yeah, I would I would probably just rather have cap, like $4 bucks in cap space going into a buyer's market free agent year than 
really matter, but like he's not this completely like washed up waste that everybody no, was talking he, about either. He's okay. Like the Hawks retain seven hundred K on him pretty much too, but I don't really get what either team gains out of this. You know, like I don't like are the Hawks gonna find a better player for three million dollars? Maybe, but in the free agency market, I don't know. Yeah, but, I would, if you're the like, Hawks, you're I, like I'd prefer them to use that space to take on a bad contract and a pick or something. Maybe I don't. I don't think they're gonna do that. You know, like I don't do well either. Also, I I do have some confidence you can get a better player than that. I mean, like if you got Dylan Demello for it, sure. But I, the free agency market scares me a little bit, just because it's like you need to make sure that you're not overpaying. Like if you're paying someone three million dollars, it better just be for a fine player. You know? Yeah, that's fair. But I it don't really. I don't the get what off this year, though. Yeah, I don't really get what LA gains out of this either, other than like an actual NHL defenseman. But like, I don't like what 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 do you need Olimata for two more years at three point three four? Yeah, I don't really. This was this was trade. If a shoulder shrug could be a trade, it would be this one. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I don't really understand it, but um, okay. Four buyouts came. Um, another deal that we said looked horrible from the time they signed it, and I compared it to Joel. I compared Joel Edmondson to it, but worse. Uh, Carl Alsner's getting bought out by the Montreal Canadiens. He has a uh, he had two years left, so he gets a four mil uh, uh, four years. Uh, the cap hit, I believe, is let me check this. It costs them three or sorry. It, uh, the cap hit is three point nine million this year, one point nine next year, eight hundred and thirty three k for two years after that for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that's an ugly buyout for a contract that everybody who thought critically about it on Stats Twitter for four seconds knew was going to suck. Yep. Um, I gotta say, so someone said because uh, I tweeted this out, and someone said that they, it sounds like maybe they're just trying to give him a second chance because Carl Osner was a pretty good guy and did help out, or you know, was good to the organization or whatever. This is a deal I probably would have just kept Osner in the minors for two more years for, instead of eating caps. Like it's only it's only nine hundred k for two more years after, so it's not like it's going to be a big deal, but it's just like. Like Montreal has ten eleven million dollars in cap space right now, and I don't know, like I guess the move and even the Domi move kind of signals that they're probably gonna be taking a run at someone in free agency, I would assume, but like it's not like they didn't have the space to just eat his contract for two more years. Yeah. It's not uh like I didn't realize it was it tailed off so quickly. I assume they have some plans to spend the space in free agency. Yeah, but like, like even this, they get five hundred thousand dollars of cap relief this year. Is that like, is that worth it? Yeah, that's true. Actually, like yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Like, I, I don't know. Like maybe it is. It, it could be. And if they, especially if they're going after someone, they know they're going to need the space next year. But I just would have thought it would make more sense to leave it until next year so there's only one year left. You take the hit next year and then have one just a, a singular extra year, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah, like 500 grand isn't even enough to sign your seventh-round pick with. So, like... No, it's, it, it's more about next year, really, where you get three grand or two grand or whatever it is, or two and a half, I think it is, of, of value. So, I don't know. Like, I just... It was one of those where maybe it's just a factor of next year they're considering it and they also want to give them a second chance and that's why they did it. But uh, I thought it was a little weird. 
Um, they here's one that only contracts up this year that maybe next year is what they're thinking of. That's very possible. And then you just don't want to worry about it. Um, here's one that, uh, uh, was not even in the little least bit surprising. Uh, Jack Johnson gets bought out by the Pittsburgh Penguins. See, this one did actually surprise me because how aggressively what's-his-name has been defending Jack Johnson still. Yeah, I guess. I think but that also is just kind of like because he was trying to find a trade partner for him, you know? Like, um, I, I think it was just as simple as that where it was like we we know he sucks, but or, you know, maybe even they were a bit higher on him, but uh, um, – why am I blanking on the Penguins GM's name? Rutherford. Uh, he's been, you know, this year he said he's going to change stuff up. And what uh, what better way to change it up than just get rid of one of the worst contracts on your and on your team? Um, so his cap hit is 1.1, 1.1, 1.9, 900K, 900K, 900K. They're paying him for six years. Not a huge amount, but uh, still rough nonetheless. Yeah, still sucks, but you'd rather have the space than Jack Johnson on your team and, more importantly, sitting on your roster, costing you wins. So Yes. Um, so, I guess we didn't even talk about if Alzenar – I could see Alzenar getting a cheap deal somewhere and being, like, a sixth defenseman. Um, yeah, me too. I, Jack Johnson, I don't think is getting a deal, though. I think a team will give him a deal. I don't know who I think a team will give him a deal, but I don't think it'll be smart is the thing. Yeah, like any team playing – like it's just a huge mistake. Do not sign Jack Johnson. No. Like even like he, – he feels like a candidate even just go to like Tampa and poor Victor Hedman. Hedman's just going to get strapped to him so he looks okay and he's just a body to play for 900K. Zach Bogosian style. Yeah, Luke Shen style. Like that's the yeah. thing, right? How many years do you think Jack Johnson has been above replacement level by the Twins' goals above replacement in his – like 15 year career two maybe so there they have him as three oh one where he was just kind of hugging the line if so four maybe but yeah that's just not good he was bad you everyone knew he was not an nhl defenseman when we signed that contract what two three years ago i feel bad for the guy because it's like he seems like an okay guy and you know he's the one i think who had money troubles with his family right or or whatever like he, yeah, he I'm pretty sure bankruptcy. His took his money or something crazy like that. Something, yeah, something like that. Because he's made forty three million dollars in career earnings, and like he declared bankruptcy three years ago or whatever. So, I, I feel bad for him in that way, you know, on the personal element. But like, he's just not a good hockey player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he he doesn't help your hockey team win. It sucks. Clearly, there's something going on there with his family. Hopefully, hopefully he's all right or whatever. But. Yeah. Um, two others to take a look at. Michael Grabner, Justin Ablicator. Uh, take a look at Justin Ablicator first, I guess. Uh, he's, his bio, will, they have to pay him for six more years. 1.8, 2.3, 2.3, 1 mil, 1 mil, 1 mil um, is the cap hit on that. Uh, I, I, again, it's kind of one where I thought maybe you just eat it for another year or two, if at, if at all possible. Like Detroit is under the cap, the cap floor. Why are you, why are you buying out just an applicator? Yeah, I would have I would have eaten this until I absolutely needed to buy it out. If I'm Detroit, now that's assuming maybe there's pressure on ownership to save money from ownership to save money or something. I don't yeah. know, but from up here, like my only goal is to win hockey games and Stanley Cups perspective. I would be eating this contract until I absolutely couldn't anymore. And like I don't yeah. think the wings I mean, are in like. A rush. 
No, they got to sign like six RFAs or whatever. And Anthony Mantho costs them a little bit of money. Tyler Pertuzzo costs them a little bit of money. So it's not like they're not going to hit the cap floor or anything like that. It's just like they're so they far don't. away from the they're so yeah. far away from the cap where it's like, why would you not just keep them? And if you don't want them taking up a roster space, that's fine. Send them to the mine or just say, hey, you're going on LTIR or whatever. Like if you still want to be paid. Yeah, exactly. And like sometimes. I kind of wonder if we're overvaluing these like a million bucks or whatever, but like the Leafs would have very much benefited from not having that $1.2 million from Phil Kessel's buyout or uh, retained, I guess they didn't buy him out, but same idea, $1 million of dead cap essentially. And this Abelator buyout could look the exact same by the time the wings are good again. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not like it's, you're, you're going to work around it. No, no problem. But it's just like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, man, if you didn't need to use it, like, why would you, right? Like, you didn't need to have that $1 million on the cap. So maybe it does hurt you. Maybe it doesn't. But it's just like, you didn't need it regardless. Why would you use it? Yeah, like that cap space just didn't sit there this year. Yeah. So, um, like, yeah, they could Michael... pay Mantha and Bertuzzi by like $4 million and still not even be close to the cap ceiling this year. Oh yeah, like they have so much space. They're sitting at uh, twenty-eight million dollars in room right now. So, yeah. Um, Michael Grabner is the only other one uh, that we have to talk about. Uh, this feels like it might just be like a money, a money thing to me, honestly. Probably he'll get a contract somewhere, and it won't suck. Unlike the rest of them that we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, like even this deal that he's on right now isn't that unreasonable. Three point three million dollars for uh, what had one more year on it, so it doubles. Cap, it's 833K, 1.2 next year. I think um, I think they save probably like $2 million in real value on it, so they, you know, that's probably what they're doing. But uh, I, uh, I, I don't know. Like he's going he's gonna to get a deal and be fine, I think, right? Like, yeah, like Grabner's got not great, but he's not pay him almost a million bucks not to play for you bad. No, I don't think so. I mean, like, he didn't have a good year by any means, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. I guess Arizona is pretty tight to the cap. So maybe this is just a cap space move where you need it, but uh, I don't know. I'd be a little surprised either way. I think it could be one of those things where it's like, yeah, it helps you get away from the cap, but also I'm not complaining that we saved $2.5 million in real value here. Yeah, but he'll go to some decent team play on their fourth line, be a good penalty killer and score like 12 goals and it'll be good for him, good for the team probably. Agreed. Yep. Um, I don't have much to talk about uh, other than that. Do you? No, I don't think so. We gotta I like to say, we, we say that as if we didn't just talk about almost 25 different topics um, in the span of an hour and a bit. Uh, I'm going to see, I'm just trying to see through. So as we're recording, finishing off, um, the RFA lists or, you know, the uh, qualifying offers are getting done. I'm trying to see who, uh, Duclair, uh, didn't get qualified. Jeez. Yeah. Anthony Duclair does not get a qualifying offer from the Ottawa senators. That is, uh, that's uh, crazy. Are the Sens just going to go with no forwards with NHL experience next year? I get like, I, I can't wrap my head around that. His qualifying offer would have been $1.65 billion. Like, why yeah, not at like, least qualify him? Yeah, like, how many kids do you possibly think you have coming up that Anthony Duclair can't get signed? Yeah, like, that's a... 
that seems mental. Unless they're just trying to sign him for something else, but maybe. But uh, like, uh, how do you how do you not? Man, I, that seems incredible. Like that, uh, yeah. Since Twitter is just melting down, not melting down, but like we need an explanation for that. Dorian says declared opted to declare opted to represent himself, and they offered him a substantial raise, and he will go unrestricted. Oh, so he just didn't want to stay. But like, qualify the dude. I I guess you don't want like like, qualify and get some assets back. Just to trade him, like that's still fine. Even if you're trading him for a fifth round pick, it's still better than nothing. Yeah. This that is mind blowing to me. Oh my word, that is weird. Well, ending on a sour note for me, but uh, I'll try and lift it up. I have some exciting news. I uh, I've decided to start uh, another podcast. Um, I will still be doing this one with Chase every single week. Uh, this one will be my primary focus when it comes to podcasts. Um, but I will be focus. I'm making a senators only one, or not only, but senators focus more. I know Chase and I, you know, we follow a bunch of different teams, and uh, we cover topics around the league, and I enjoy that. But I also wanted to do one where I kind of focus more on um, just Ottawa as well. So I decided to make one. Uh, you can follow the account on Twitter at. Uh, let me get the actual right at. <laughs> last word on sends is the uh, the at. Um, it'll be a last. Last word on sends with the last word on hockey website. Um, I'm hoping to get the first episode out in probably a week or two. Uh, I think we're going to record next week at some point. Um, I'm sure I'll chase on it more than once as well to talk about stuff Ottawa Senators related to. But yeah, everything else is staying the same. You can find me here. You can find Chase here. You can find Chase and I both at lastwordonhockey.com, me at milehighhockey.com, me on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff and Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all uh, next week.